0: Well, hey there, families, and welcome to today's episode. Terry and I are so pumped because we have one of our most favorite humans on the planet on our podcast today that we're interviewing, Dan Sivils. Um, Dan is a dear friend of ours who is really involved in the Your Infinite Life organization that we talk to you guys a lot about. Dan is a senior instructor um, with that organization. And it doesn't calls- mean he's
1: old. It just means he's really good <laughs> at it. Yes. <laughs>
0: and he's just an incredible life coach that helps so many people um, just really create... Um, the life that they want. And we're just so honored um, that you're here with us today. Dan, welcome.
2: Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It is a pleasure to be here. And I am both a senior and a senior (laughs) instructor.
0: Awesome. Well, I know we are going to have so much fun today. Um, In addition to Dan being just an incredible life coach and an instructor, he's um, I swear, Dan, you could have been like a stand up comedian. Did you ever think about pursuing that?
2: I would have uh, had I had the maturity that I've had in the last five years. <laughs> Or was that
1: what your courtroom was like? And I'm sure we'll get to that later.
2: Well, I will say, if you could make a a judge or jury laugh, you were doing well. So yeah, I tried that a lot. Oh
0: my gosh, I love that. Okay, well, today, families, we are going to talk about the subject of resistance. And I think resistance is something that we all either have in our lives or encounter in our lives. But today we're gonna to talk specifically around what can you do with resistance um, when it comes to just not just just kind of having this blocked viewpoint of learning. So if you're feeling resistant around learning something new, whether it's positive parenting curriculum or some life coaching support, or maybe it's someone that you love like your spouse or you know your family that's just super resistant. To learning and opening up and learning, or you know, um, experiencing something new or change. Um, so we're gonna kind of look at it in that lens today, and so um, the four points we're gonna we're gonna talk about is specifically Dan's gonna get us give us some great guidance around. Like I said, if it's you that's experiencing the resistance. Um, number two, we're gonna talk about if it's someone that you love, and then number three, we're gonna talk about how um, it's important to have a paradigm shift of it's not always about them; it's actually about you. <laughs> and then um, number four, we're gonna talk about how opening up and being in learning can really uh, positively positively affect all areas of your life. Um, so, but first, Dan, I want to give you a proper introduction. So, I'm going to pass the mic to you. Will you tell us a little bit about your story and how you became a life coach? How you became an instructor of the beautiful work that you teach? I know um, for Terry and I specifically, we've both been in um, many course rooms with you um, during weekend. Courses with Your Infinite Life, we've also had many phone calls with you where you've mentored and helped us, and you've literally helped change our life in the most magnificent way, Dan, and and we just adore you. But I want you to give yourself a proper um, introduction. Tell us all about you, your story, how you found this work, how you became a teacher, because your story is awesome.
2: Well, thank you so much. I adore you guys, too. All right, so I'll start with I was born... I'm just kidding. I won't (laughs) start. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to be a lawyer all my life for all the right reasons. I looked at being a lawyer as fighting for justice. So I, in kindergarten, I I had written down baseball player, astronaut, and lawyer. Um, (laughs) So I knew I wanted to be a lawyer and I loved practicing law, but there came a time I was probably um, about eight years in, and I just wanted to do some other types of growth work. So I started to do a lot of adventure trips and a lot of uh, really out-of-the-box kind of things. And I ended up in a course room um, that is now Your Infinite Life. And it the effect it had on me was I just was happier and I was better at everything I did. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to continue to do this. Um, And I'm probably the poster child for resistance because the, the, uh, there were two courses I took and the second, the first one was, was crazy life changing. And the second one is, was really where I learned how I was getting in my own way. And I got so mad during the course, um, I left and I stomped on the cassette tapes. Cassette tapes is what they gave back then, in front of everyone, um, like I was about eight. Except I was not because I hopped in my car, then sped away, and I didn't talk to anybody for a year. And it, it and it, I was mad, and I was mad not at at what I learned. I was mad because I discovered some of the very things I liked most about myself I was using in a way to keep people at a distance Mm. and I thought before I was going to be okay with with myself that I would change and what I learned about resistance was if you want to change, you've got to accept yourself as you are first. Um, So I, I, I tried it my way. It took what would have taken me an hour and a half, took me a year. (laughs) Um, And so when I meet people in resistance in the course room, nobody has ever resisted as hard as I did. And so It's something that I'm really easy – it's easy for me to deal with because I get it so much. Um, But I started to then instruct really as a hobby. It's the thing I did that I loved. And then about a decade in, um, I had an opportunity because my son was old enough that I could could bow out of law. I did that all together. I still practice a little law, but it's certainly not my – career and I do this full time, you know, so I'll teach courses, um, in a courtroom. And then I, a lot of what I do is just talk to people on the, on the phone or in person right. and it's all life coaching. Um, and I don't think I've ever had a client that wasn't working on something important that didn't experience resistance in some way. Um, so, um, I'm an expert on resistance. I promise not to do that in this conversation though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god don't stomp I love...
2: on anything Dude. Uh, you won't hear it because I've got awesome headphones that'll block out my tantrums so.
0: <laughs> I love that story so much it's just like it's the best ever and then to have you come back and be literally one of the best instructors I've ever experienced you know growth with in my life is just so so amazing all right, cool. So, um, all right, so let's, I know we just, ha- we could ask you a million questions and could talk for hours, but I'm going to try to keep us on track today. So let's start with number one. And if you could just kind of give us your thoughts and guidance on each of these little subtopics that I'm going to bring up here. So, um, you know, there's two two categories that I feel like the families that we work with at Fresh Start Family often encounter. And one of them is, let's just start with the first one of, um, is, It's like, I think at all points, there is a parent will say to themselves, I'm just not willing to do that. Like, I'll open my mind and I'll learn about this or I'll learn about that, but that is just weird or that that doesn't apply or, um, or... they kind of do
1: the a la carte menu or they do just kind of the bare minimum. Yeah,
0: so this first yeah. category is kind of like we all experience resistance in certain areas where we're just like, that change is too much or I'm not open to learning about that. And then the ne- next we're going to talk about, well, what if the change is like, you know, somebody in that you love is super resistant to change. But I think it's good for us to start off with like, we all are going to experience that. And so I remember when Terry and I were first learning... Um, to work with our kids in a much different way. When Stella was three, Taryn was just a baby, and we had this fiery little sassafras, little, you know, just awesome little girl. But at the time, we viewed her a lot differently, And, and our friends, who we shared a nanny with, would bring home this piece of paper that would say, hey, you should try, you know, to use... Um, encouragement versus praise and so encouragement versus praise you know something we teach in the positive parenting world of like saying like wow you did it like teaching a kid to have intrinsic motivation versus the like wow you're such a good boy everything's external right and we uh-huh, Terry and I uh-huh. took that piece of paper and I'm pretty sure we like laughed at it made fun of it and threw it in the trash can we were like yeah right we're not doing that because that's like if, if we did that like, our our little girl's going to walk all over us. You know, and here so, we
1: thought we were pretty open-minded.
0: Right, we thought we yeah, were pretty yeah. open-minded. So that's, like, a funny little example. But I think we all, whether we're learning positive parenting curriculum or, like, somebody invites us to a weekend course and we've never been through that type of experience before. Or someone says, hey, you're going through something hard. Like, I have someone, you know, a guy named Dane Civils that you can talk to. Like, here's his phone number. And you just feel that resistance and your feet kind of in the mud. Like, no, that's not for me. I'm not doing it, no thanks. Like, what are your, like, just, um, you know, guide points on that? if, If we come across that and we feel that within ourselves
2: well i you know, from my experience, one of the the most common things that occurs for parents, especially when when kids are young or even as they uh, get older, whenever they're entering a, a new way of behaving, whether um, it's a real problem or they're just concerned, you know parents um, if they've grown up and they love the parents they had. One of the downsides of that is that you don't ever step back and see, oh, wow, I, I actually want to do that different. And, and the reason that some parents won't step back is they see it as almost a betrayal of their parents. They don't want to judge their parents. They right. understand mm-hmm. better than ever before at 3 a.m. when their child is throwing up on them with a f- fever <laughs> that that their parents did an excellent job. A- right. and. And and in those moments, you're looking for solid ground. And solid ground is not just intellectual. It's emotional. And, and so you've got these feelings running. And for so many parents, it makes sense then to maintain the status quo. That feels safe, even if it's ineffective. You know, people w- w- will find that um for example negative self talk you know that's uh, that's obsessive it provides right. us it provides us even though it makes us miserable it's predictable and and so you know people don't complain of oh my gosh i incessantly talk optimistically to myself <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why is because that uh, risks the status quo. If you're thinking optimistically, you're very likely to have some mess that's going to rise because you're going to be trying new things. Right. And with your kids, um, that resistance pops up and you, you have this desire to maintain status quo that's not even an intellectual desire. It is an emotional desire in many ways, and and it's about even survival in those moments where you feel like you're doing a horrible job as a parent. Often, your goal is to to just survive, and so that resistance it happens so naturally. And the first thing it takes is to recognize the feelings that are inside of you. The, the problem with just focusing on analyzing it and thinking about it is if you have strong feelings, whether that's fear or, or anger or frustration, whatever you're feeling, when you have those strong feelings, if you're not aware of them, it's like you're walking into your file cabinet of ideas and you're only going to one of 50 file cabinets. <laughs> And in that file cabinet are very valid ideas and thoughts and experiences. It's just that if you're not aware of your feelings, your brain isn't going to be creative. It's not going to remember box number 47 and go down to that file and pull those ideas out. And, and so for first and foremost, if, if a parent can just recognize the loss of serenity on the inside and just just identify it, am I afraid? Am I a mad? You know, what am I feeling? That alone gets your whole body on track.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and it makes you more open uh, to hearing suggestions, probably not at 3 a.m. from your spouse uh, right. is a, <laughs> a great time to deliver the um, suggestion. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the most important things that I learned parenting that changed the way that I wanted to parent were things that I learned from someone else. And, you know, reading a book is great, but, but when you talk to someone, um, you do learn. And, and that resistance alone is such a high cost, the unwillingness to learn. We would never be okay with anyone around us being unwilling to learn. And, and the things that are the most important for us to learn are going to create some resistance. Yes. It's just a, a natural things that occurs. But I do think the more that you are open – to recognizing that in yourself and, and recognizing the change that you do, the easier it is to overcome it. And, and that that um, kind of changes every time your kid reaches a new transition. When you're, your child is getting ready to drive, you're going to have some new fears and issues arise. So you always want to be all on the lookout for resistance. Um, but inside, often the what will discover is the resistance is all about feelings the ideas come second and if you know that um then it opens up the possibility for those feelings to just be felt and let go and then you can get on track that's that's right oh my gosh
0: we just said the same thing let's chat for a hot sec openly and honestly about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited
1: So, Dan, I mean, it's interesting cause Wendy and I talk, um, you know, off and on, but often about what's this um, stigma around doing self-growth work or admitting that, like, you weren't just born a perfect parent that knows everything or, hey, we figured it all out on our own or from our parents. Like, people have a hard time, um, you know, reaching out for help or doing something more than just, you know... Um, you know, following an Instagram page and and then saying, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I do
1: it. I do that. Um, that explains a, a, a lot yeah. of it, which you said about um, the feeling like you might be betraying your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that that explains a lot to me.
0: Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it, and it's it, it makes sense, yeah, because it's like, it's coming from a kind-hearted place. This almost resistance is like, you want to respect them,
2: but it... Hey, you don't want to judge them, and right. yet... That judgment isn't about now. If you've grown up and you've had an unhappy um, childhood, it, it's a lot more socially acceptable, at least in a lot of people's minds, that you're. It's okay to to judge how my parents did, but even. The judgment isn't the point. The point is the judgment is to identify how I want to do it differently. Before you get to how I want to do it differently, often you'll be like, well, I don't like what my parents did. That's the part where people get caught up. Because they they don't want to to pass that kind of judgment, but it's really not about stopping there. It's not about our parents. Our parents did the best job they could do. Very most often they do. Of course, that's not always true. But um, in order to really raise a child in whatever time period you are, you've got to adapt. Yeah. You know, if it, 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 I, one of the things I remember with with my son was. My own resistance to video games, well, um, the difference was he didn't have the same kind of video game I did. His video game was incredibly complicated and immersive. And if he was outside playing basketball for eight hours, I'd be like, he's outside, Mm -hmm. he's happy, he's healthy. And the reality is he can't play basketball. Um, And it... it, (laughs) it, 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 uh, Well, if you watch him, you know, he he would tell you. He's going to be a great lawyer, but he can't play (laughs) basketball. Um, And and so that idea that somehow what what was healthy and good for us as kids is the only way to go, there's a lot of resistance around that. And, And you can't participate in the world unless you know what the world offers. So our kids don't get the same kind of world that we had and so just on that alone it makes sense to start looking at that inner resistance as something that's going to lead you down an ineffective trail and most parents that's there they can you know if in moments where they can calm down and really be present they want to be effective and resistance will cause things to not be effective. If you resist putting gas in your car, it's an obvious problem. And it's the same thing. If you resist growth and change, you, it, there's a consequence. There's going to be a price to pay. It's it's that simple. And that vulnerability, and when I say vulnerability, I just mean open heart, right. being willing to talk to another parent or to talk to a life coach or a therapist it's going to help you be more effective and that's ultimately our goal it's going to it's going to mean that you're closer with the people that you care about from my own experience letting go of resistance directly led me to more happiness and that was a big deal and, and you really just have to focus on that resistance as giving you a message. And it's not a message about your kid. It's not a message about your spouse. It's, a, it's a message about you. And awesome. if you think during the day how often you think about people you love and what they could do better for their own life, um, and then you think about your own resistance, it'll even help you have more compassion for the people in your own life, you wish would change because you can find your resistance and, spe- and and what you say to yourself. Okay, here's an area where I'm my resistance is up. How can I possibly expect my child to to move through resistance if I'm unwilling to? Mm,
0: I love that, and that's our point number two, Terry. You wanted to say something yeah, before we
1: move on. Um, I'm just interested in the the word um, effective, and in my mind, um, effective may be different than some of the the listeners' um, minds. And I'm interested in hearing from you, Dan, because, you know, actually this episode, because you and me are guys, we finally outweigh um, yeah. the, the guy-to-girl <laughs> ratio on this podcast for once. So there might actually be more dads listening. And I think a lot of dads may listen to that word effective and swap out the word compliance or, th- oh, this works. Yeah. Like, do this yeah. and it equals this. To me the the word effective means we're going to have better relationships over the long term and we're going to have a more fulfilling life together in relationship to one another so i i'd, I'd be interested to hear what are your thoughts around that word when you say effective
0: that's a
2: great point yeah to me. I, I love that and i and i would say um, if you if you want your child to grow up to be in a compliant adult that's very different than an effective adult and and when you think about it that way you know a a parent can see effective means that when they grow up and they go out into the world they can live on their own (laughs) (laughs) so that's your ultimate goal right but, but as a kid, when you're, when you're, your kid is at home, especially young, your goal is not to effectively change behavior. It, 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 your goal is to be an effective parent. And some behaviors, you may have to stick with it for years. Right. That's the definition of being a child is that they don't learn things one time. And so effective doesn't mean that how do I get them to clean? their room um and if they actually clean their room then i'm effective what effective means is that you've got on the inside a relationship with your child that you you feel close you get joy from your child is growing up healthy and happy which does not mean not messy right (laughs) Um, And that you generally um, are happier when you're effective. And if you think about it from, uh, uh, you know, at work, there are a lot of things that effective is a long-term process. And there are some things that are a short-term process. So you've got to think of um, what your goal is. If your goal is that your child cleans their room, that's pretty easy. But if their goal is your child learns the responsibility to clean your room, well, that requires more than just making a child do something. Yes, and, that's, that's so good. And when you are, for example, you're mad and you're talking to your child with an angry tone and you're telling them what they forgot to do and they're getting them to do it, you may have been effective at getting them to do it. But you're ineffective at teaching them anything. If anything, what you may have taught your your child at that point is my parent is unhappy, and that's my job. And then you know that, how that translates in relationships is you've got a kid who seeks out someone that they need to work real hard to make happy.
1: And you wonder
2: why they take that person. And you're like, well, because every single time they didn't do what you needed them to do, you got mad. They didn't learn responsibility. They learned, oh, I, my job in the world is that when other people aren't happy, I make them happy. And, and so uh, the word effective, uh, it, now that I'm hearing how many different ways I'm using it, it is a challenging word. I, I think that... It, You've, you've got to be open-minded to what your goal is. And, and ultimately, parents often forget their goal is to raise healthy, happy, responsible kids. And the way to be effective at that is to let go of the goal of, oh, I just want compliance. I just want them to do what I ask. Children are often not going to do what you ask because they're children. Right. That's just not the way it works. Uh, 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 I don't do what my spouse asks me asks me to do all the time. <laughs> yes. Oh my god.
1: I don't get away with that around
2: here. <laughs> I. you <laughs> needs a bigger
0: whip, man. <laughs>
2: well, I'm just kidding. you know, I think we kid, sometimes we to to stereotype dads. Dads may be the ones that are looking for compliance, are looking for, hey, these are the 10 things I asked you to do. These 10 things got to be done. But the thing I would challenge every dad, and you probably wouldn't do this in front of your kid or in front of your spouse, but in any moment, you can write down 10 things that you've been are on your list of things I need to do in my life that you haven't done. And, right. and uh, so if you're willing to see how um, you're not walking the walk. The point of that is that the walk is the problem. It's not that you're supposed to be doing everything you're supposed to do in your life. Human beings don't work that way, but neither do children.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Oh, such good stuff. Solid gold. Okay, Dan. All right. So, so much good stuff there. Let's move on to the second point. So we've talked, we just kind of talked so much about like, okay, how do you kind of look at yourself and look at those areas that you might be resistant? And now let's move into, we have a lot, a lot of families in our, in our bonfire membership program that listen to this podcast that are in our foundations course that are just one of the spouses is not on board. They are closed off. They're like, I'm not interested in learning about that positive parenting stuff. Or um, they're not interested in doing any personal development work or self-growth. And they really are resistant to it. And and for, obviously, you know, a ton of different reasons. Um, and so... We get a ton of questions around like, what do you do? I mean, I just did a poll in my Bonfire membership group and I was like, hey guys, what do you want me to teach on next, you know? And I give them all these ideas. And one of them was, what if you and your spouse are not on the same page and you're feeling this, like they're they're super resistant to learning and trying new things um and it was like crazy. It was it was there was no competition. It, everybody wants to learn about that. And we have like over 200 members now. Um so what do you like what is your thoughts for you know if if someone's listening and they're like I'm doing the learning. I'm open. Like I'm I'm like give me all the life coaching. Give take sign me up for the weekend course, but my spouse like is like no way. That's just not my thing. You do it yeah. and 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 then uh, and then some of them add add on a layer of like not only is it not my thing, but every time you try to do something new, I'm going to f with you. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to point out every time it doesn't work perfectly and I'm going to say to you, "Great, looks like it's working great." great, like, ha, you know, or, or like, um, wow, like, that's like this mess, you've created this, like, there's just so much drama around this. So I feel like the feelings can rise up super big when someone just wants someone to open up. And we know, obviously, from the freedom to be your infinite life course, that it doesn't work when you try to make people change. So what do you what guidance do you have for the listeners who have that person in their life? That's that is just super resistant to a lot, Um, what do you recommend?
2: Well, I know um, that when I'm teaching someone or coaching someone, what I'm teaching them, the tools, are never for anyone else. The moment that you learn something and you go home to a stressful environment, if you have children, It's going to be stressful, whether it's fun stress or crazy stress, it's stress. And the moment you go home and you try to teach someone a tool you learned, you have if you've got a spouse or that is resistant, you already know. And when you try to teach them anything, you just strengthen their resistance that I would tell I would say. And I had to go through this experience myself. Um, I was in a situation where I I was um, getting a divorce. And I wanted to create a really healthy situation. And we ultimately did. It was beautiful what we were able to create. But it took me a year. And the rule that I had for myself for a year, I said yes to anything. My ex-wife asked, right. and uh, that sounds crazy, but the reality is, um, I was allowed to say no if I really was a no. But in a year, I said no zero times, and so what we worked through was her fear. She had no idea I was even doing anything, but I was saying yes, and so and and it was specific to my circumstances. But the point was, my goal was that we would have a much more unified, happy, healthy relationship. And the way to get to that goal was not by teaching her anything. It was by being a certain way. And so with with parents, like I, I can't tell you how many times I'll be talking to one or both parents and, you know, they've got kids and they're telling me what was going on in their life and they are hard on themselves because it's messy and they're stressed. And I'm like, of course, it's messy and stressed. You're in triage all day long. You've got some beings that live in your house that if they're not watched constantly, they they could burn it down. They're little people. It's stressful. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes that argument that begins to occur between the spouse that's doing a lot of work and the parent that's not doing any work, that just is kind of a pressure release because in reality, you guys are stressed out. Of course you're stressed out. But if you try to teach the resistant parent, you're just going to be teaching resistance. And what that resistant parent hears is often you're not enough or or some version. And every human being has a core fear, more than one often, that can be boiled down to, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, I'm a fraud, I'm going to be alone. And these core fears don't go away. And nobody likes to talk about them in the moment. But the reality is, when you are trying to teach a resistant parent, you're not, they're not going to hear you. And they're not going to tell you very often, oh, by the way, darling, I feel I'm not worthy when you say that. And I'd like to talk about that. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not often what's yeah. going to happen. It's a reaction. And right. it, and so um, you also, and this is, this is kind of bizarre to say, but you don't know what your child's path is. And if you look at children that have grown up and be adults that have changed the world and you examine what happened with their parent, it's often a a, a, a stressful or dysfunctional circumstance was the very light switch that went on for the child that became their passion for whatever they did. So, so yeah. if you've got two parents and they're parenting differently, don't assume that your child is going to be damaged as a result, you don't know. Your child may thrive and really understand the direction they want to go because they've seen two different ways to be a parent in the house. So, I, And that is kind of bizarre to say because, in other words, what I'm saying to the parent that's doing the the learning is it's for you. If your goal in the learning is to change your spouse, it's going to fail. But if your goal is to use the tools for yourself and you put no pressure on someone with resistance, over time, you might be amazed at what they'll do. But you do have to put up with the little comments here or there. But the truth is we all have those comments on our head. You know, the, yeah. the dad may be thinking, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. And the wife might be thinking, well, you should be learning. That's dumb. It's <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it, it, it's just that one parent wants to be right, not to be right, but probably to cover up that feeling of things aren't going to be OK if I don't do it my way, whether that's resistance or not. But you got to give up the idea that the other parent is always gonna be on the same page. And, and the, the reality is if the same page was that important, well then quit learning. Get on the page uh, the, right. the parent on,
1: <laughs> Lowest common denominator, denominator right? Yeah.
0: yeah. But Dan, and, and, okay, you got it.
1: <laughs> that got, was sarcasm, I don't really <laughs> need to do that. If for people that are taking notes right now. I know, yeah. don't right? do that. Sarcasm.
0: But okay, so clarify though the difference between inviting and asking like because all you know it's some like it's obviously with your infinite life and with the curriculum we teach we always we always want to invite people to come be part yeah. of the learning so can you tell us the difference there between and is it just your intention inside is like hey you need to push like so I'll say to my clients um can you invite them to watch um this you know this lesson or Terry and I have a bonfire dad's one or like can you encourage them and show them when they're ready they can push play by logging in here or whatever or obviously with your infinite life we're all about just inviting people to join us on the weekends yeah. um so tell us the difference there because obviously we've learned from you that trying to make people change or thinking that they need to change doesn't work and it's not going to get them to say yes
2: yeah it is about inviting Um, And it is about what's happening on the inside. Even I am not capable of not having an attachment to what someone says when I invite. I can feel that. I want them to say yes. But the, the key is I don't talk from there. So I'm going to feel that feeling. Yeah, I, I, I want them to say yes. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel it in my chest or my stomach, wherever I feel it. And, and the point of that is it naturally allows the feeling to be felt and it will ease. And you want to do that before you invite and, and you can tell on your tone often, even inside your head, is my tone a little desperate or a little demanding or a little stressed? Because your spouse or whoever you're inviting, they're going to hear your tone. And so if you can't invite from a place of, I don't need you to do this or uh, if you don't come, you're going to ruin our child or you're going to ruin our life. Like if you're talking from that place, you're going to get a, an invitation that is not going to be received well. Okay. And so the, the key is to invite and be okay with no. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have feelings about it, but ex- expressing those feelings isn't going to get you what you want. And what you want is for the parent to be open to learning, too. And the way that you do that is you stay open to learning for yourself. Okay. If you, and so the invite is not the problem. I invite people all the time, but I'm okay with no. And I also don't assume, and no is bad. I don't know, for example, if I get someone in a course room who's very resistant I'll honor that sometimes because I don't know what issue they're working through or how this may be important to their own character development. We all have dark times in our life that can be very important for our growth. And so resistance may even be spiritual or more mysterious than just a no. So be okay with a no when you invite. Ultimately, if you do the work on yourself, things will change. The invite will become more um, easy to deliver, and you'll be more okay with a no. But be okay with a no no matter what. No matter what, be okay with a no. Um, and that's harder, you know, easier said than done. Um, but if your goal is that it's ultimately a yes – being okay with a no is more likely to get you a yes.
0: Ah, oh, this is so powerful because it's so true. I mean, I've been experiencing this for I mean, I've been involved with your infinite life work for I think 8 year, 9 years now, almost a decade, and I've seen this with other people, I've seen it with myself like it's if it's Everything is so true that you're saying, but I love that you're, you're not saying the feelings aren't going to be there. And like you said, in, and I think we were talking about point number one is like, make sure you feel those feelings, which is definitely going to be some fear. And then obviously if they say no, maybe sadness or anger, um, or hurt. Right. But like, yeah, and, and so that's something we work really hard on in the bonfire. And obviously at your infinite life is that ability to feel the feeling all the way through, um, without it. You know, then then moving on to your next action step. But I love that because it is—it's so scary and it's so—it can be so sad and so hurtful. We have a, a lesson within our bonfire community that I built just for the grandparents. That like I just love on them so hard and and thank them right for everything that they've done and invite them to learn more. But it's like so many grandparents have been asked and they say no. They say, I have nothing to do with that. And then, and I know these parents are just like, it's so hard for them. So I think this is going to be so important for uh, family. It's just so many people, whether it's their spouse or their parents, it's just, or it's just fantastic,
2: Dan. It's one crazy. thing or I definitely want, want, want to say, um, it, it, for the person that is the one that's willing, ask yourself and answer this honestly, do you like the other parent, just the way they are. Because if you don't, you're not their teacher. If you don't, you're not the one to invite. Because if you don't like them and accept them just the way they are, their experience of everything that you ask or want is filtered by that. And so it's really an inside job to recognize, do I need someone to be perfect, to like them just the way they are? Because that's not how you treat your children. We often like them just the way they are. And when we're falling in love, and we're making our commitments, we are fully aware uh, that our, our partner is not perfect. And we're totally okay with that. We like them just the way they are. And I'm not talking about loving them. I'm talking about liking them just the way they are. Right. And if you can really check in, a lot of times you'll discover when I'm inviting the, uh, my partner, I am not okay with the way they are. Well, that isn't fair. Because at any point in my life, from the day I'm born until the, the day I die, about 125, that's my plan. <laughs> I, at any one of those days, i am going to be dealing with different issues in my life. They're never going away. I'm always going to have some small ones and some big ones. And if I'm only going to be liked when I've handled them all, I'm, I'm always going to be defensive around the people that don't like me. In my house. And so you you really have to fundamentally say, you know, life is not about I'm not expecting my child to be perfect. Why would I expect that from my spouse? And why would I expect it from my spouse, when I knew these things going into a marriage that nobody is going to be perfect? Yeah. And so, you know, if you're inviting from a place of, oh, I don't like you the way you are, and here's a way for, for you to improve yourself, it's not going to happen. Oh, what you really want idea. to do is like them just the way they are. I can't tell you how many times I've seen marriages suffer. Because one or both have gotten into this pattern of being really aware of all the mistakes and the, 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 the repeated mistakes that a spouse does. And it ends up being, oh, I don't like you because you don't do one, two, three, four. And, and if that's the place you're in, you're not going to get a yes. And if you get a yes, that's not going to be very fun because they're going to point out everything that's wrong with whatever it is you're doing. Right. <laughs> and so if you don't like your partner just the way they are, you're not in a place where they're going to say yes, because an invitation that it's, "Hey, you know, honey, on a scale of one to 10, I think you're operating at about a three, and I'd like to offer some improvement for you. Right That's. Oh an my gosh. And, and if that's the way you're feeling and thinking on the inside, that's what the invitation is. And so it, before you judge, you handle that. And and that's hard to handle.
0: Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I would love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, me know if you have any questions, com forward slash firm and kind. Well, and that's, per, you just like summarized point number three, which was, is this paradigm shift, right? It's, is you, you kind of like, before you get into personal development work or life coaching work or, or positive parenting curriculum, it's kind of all in the same village. Um you really do think like oh my kids are crazy they're the problem or my spouse is like so resistant he's the problem or my boss is insane like and you see it in this filter and then you once you have this paradigm shift of like oh my gosh it's it's me that I'm the one that needs to just work on my own heart and soul and get some support and realize that a lot of times I'm allowing that to irritate me so deeply, or it's the relationship, right? So
1: I think you summarize. Or it, you're you're the only one that can hold the key to yourself. It, you know, it might not be that you it, it's you that's doing everything, but you're the only one that can really say yes to the invitation openly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I I I think it's so uh, common for parents to have. Messy lives and a lot of times if they could even just tap into a sense of humor about it right. <laughs> um, Because if if your child does something outlandish It's funny it, it may not be funny to you in the moment, but it's going to be funny when you're talking about it Why not be able to see that quicker because it will take the edge off. And I, I can't emphasize enough that when you're a parent, you're going to experience incompetence. I mean, right. how <laughs> can you not? And if you can't get on the same page of liking each other, even though both of you are doing something with a lot of mistakes and incompetence, then don't expect To be the one that can get your partner to drop their resistance. Because why would they?
0: Yeah. And I love it. And it's like just be, just focus on yourself. That's the big takeaway is just stop focusing on them and just focus on yourself. And at the same time, keep working on just upping your unconditional love of the people around you in your life. Like that's another, you know, it's it's that's what we teach parents, right? Is like Love your kids unconditionally, make sure that they know that you don't think that they're good when they behave well and they're bad when they behave bad. It's like they always are loved unconditionally, even in the times when they make really big mistakes. Right. And that is such a practice and it's such a paradigm shift for parents because. Um, you know, traditionally it's like, you know, well, when you're good, you can come sit on my lap and I'll tuck you in and give you kisses. And when you're bad, you go to bed early without dinner, you know, like, or whatever it is. Well, but. and
2: married couples end up in that situation <laughs> where your bad lasts all day. Right. Yes. And, you know, that is a cost, not just to the relationship, but just to the joy of a normal, crazy, stressful day.
0: Right. Yes. Yes. I well, and I love the sense of humor. Like I always say, for my bonfire families, I sh, I really want to build like a whole lesson for one of the months around humor because it it's so important. It really is, and I think it's such an underutilized tool. That um, I know. I mean, it's so beautiful how you literally bring humor into the life coaching course rooms. That is like, it's so fantastic. That's why I love being in a course room when you're teaching because. You help us remember that it's just it's funny sometimes. I mean, well, you it have- can
1: take the power out of like some of these these instances that don't don't seem funny or seem like a crisis, and maybe they really are a crisis. But if you can if you can kind of just like you said, Dan, just accept that life's going to be messy no matter what, and and it's all in how you approach it, and especially if you're doing it in partnership with someone else, that you can say. You know, oh, here we go. Like, I mean, I, you know, Wendy's, um, you know, Stella's birth was a great example for us of like, you know, it was gnarly. And there was a lot of like serious moments and emergency C-section and 36 hours of labor. But then by the time, like, you know, we lived in that hospital for, you know, five or six days. And, you know, Stella was under the jaundice lights and people were walking in for appointments at 3 a.m., We just, at a certain point, just had to laugh at everything or else, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, the appointment's at 3 a.m. Yeah, perfect. Great. And it was (laughs) kind of like, you know, what else is going to happen? And I think so much of that just took the power out of um, the situation at hand and just made us a more solid, you know, partnership with one another. And we were just able to laugh.
2: Yeah. Well, I even think about Stella's fierceness and how necessary and lucky she was to have that, even from birth. Yeah. You know, we, we yes. just don't know, you know, the, all of the different facets of our children and how they may serve them. And, you know, sometimes those very things will create all kinds of turmoil for us. But it's a quality that over time is going to serve them beautifully. Yes. And and so liking them, even in the face of any kind of behavior, fundamentally, when we ask ourselves, am I happy or do I need other people to be different to be happy? Well, if you need your spouse to change, if you need your kid to change, you're not learning the tools that Wendy and Terry are teaching you, because the the tools are going to be used so that you can be okay with who you are. That's what allows for growth. And you can be happy without needing the world to be different. Um, I think Joseph Campbell coined the phrase joyful participation in the sorrows of the world. You, you every day of your life are going to be faced with sorrow, fear, uncertainty, economic uncertainty. And if you are waiting for certainty or security to, to like your life, you could be waiting your whole life. And so often when parents want someone else to change, like on a real feeling level, they're feeling powerless you know, they're feeling out of control. And it's like, yeah, so's your other, um, so's your partner. And their response is resistance. That makes them feel secure. And your response is to learn but you're still doing the same thing. Oh, I'm learning, but it's not going to be okay until you change. It's like, yeah, that it, it, you're already off track the moment that you think my happiness or my serenity depends on uh, other people changing. That yeah. is, you know, you're giving up a lot of reward from what you're doing and what you're creating. Um, because you're worried, you know, you're focused on that.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Susie Walton tells a great story that kind of reminds me of this. And, and then I'm going to wrap us up. We've got one more point, but I, we pretty much talked about it. We can talk about it here in a second. But Susie tells a story of like, um, there was a mom and dad who, um, you know, they were, Uh, mom was kind of trying to be kind and respectful with um, the, I think it was like a teenage daughter or tween or something. And she was, you know, trying to like respond in a way that wasn't freaking out and yelling at her. And dad came in one day and he just like freaked out, yelled at this girl and like sent her straight to her room. And they just had this awful interaction. And the dad went up and just like, like slammed the door and like laid in his bed. And the mom was just like, so frustrated. And she was just like, dude, what? Like thinking to herself, like, When is he going to freaking change? Like, this is not going to work to, like, influence this teenage girl to do what you want. Like, all these things in her head, right? Like, she's just going to start lying and hiding things from you. And she said, um, I think she might have asked herself, like, what was the most, what's the most loving thing that she could do for herself or in this situation when she's feeling so yucky? And she just thought, like, I just, I need a hug. Um, And so she went up. And I don't know why this story makes me cry. But she went up and she decided just to, like, lay down next to him. And hug him and not say anything. Yeah. And I guess like the story and Susie is like the queen of stories. Like, she's the best stories in the world. But she said she didn't say anything. She just hugged him. And he said, oh, my God, thank you so much. How did you know that I needed that? Like, I'm just I'm so sad about this whole situation. And I'm trying to change. But it's just really hard for me. And um, it was just like this beautiful story, that she didn't need to change anything. She didn't need to make him change. She just, she just, she needed a hug and she just took care of herself and, and just decided to love on him and make sure he knew that he was loved unconditionally, even though he kept doing this behavior, and I just think that kind of wraps it's a story that wraps up our conversation really nicely
2: it totally it does it's so it's so true when when you can look at someone and love them and like them and just touch them no words you're very likely going to open their heart
0: yes I love that
2: and that's oh. the place where, you know, change can occur. But again, even in that moment, you're not doing it for the change. Right. You're, you're seeing this other person, even if they don't look like they're judging themselves for their mistakes, they probably are. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so if you do what that's what Susie describes in this story, th- that often takes resistance and it just drops away.
0: Yeah. And it's such so courageous because like, I know that I know that mom sitting on that stairs was was the resistance in her head was going strong. Like, don't go hug him. He doesn't deserve to be hugged right now. You know, like he's he needs to know, you know, like, and then she had to probably be like, no, no no, no, come on, what, do you like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, the resistance is often so, it's inner, it's outer, it's everywhere, Dan. <laughs> but, oh it my gosh, it is. Okay, so I'm going to wrap us up with this last, just kind of overview that I know, maybe Terry, maybe you just, this idea of opening up, um, you know, to learning and growing and will help you, not in just in areas of your own family, but in all areas of your life, Terry. So maybe you can wrap us up with that point.
1: Yeah, so let's just... Um, let's just assume that somebody's here listening and whether they were invited to listen and they said yes, or whether, you know, they were already, the door was halfway open. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot, um, in parenting centric scenarios, but sometimes people want to, you know, say, well, you know, I kind of have that under control or I'm, I'm doing good enough. How, how, would opening up or saying yes, help you in all areas of your life in your opinion, Dan? Because sometimes people need to, to hear how, you know, Wendy and I have experienced that this isn't just limited to just your relationship with your kids. Um, you know, for me, so much of what I've learned is, you know, you see it out in the world, you see it in the workplace. So I think sometimes I'm shedding a little light around that. Um, what, what's your, your message there?
2: Um, uh, probably the best thing to do is say yes yeah. often. Uh, you know, I, I learned with my son that one of us was always going to be teaching and probably the smartest parenting moments I ever had was to recognize when it was time to let him lead. Dad, do you want to play? I think about it. I'm a person that I'm an immediate No dad, Mine. do you want to buy, uh, do you want to buy to this? No, I haven't even <laughs> thought about whether or not I would like a bite of it. It's just no. yes, to know. And so a, a lot of times just yes is going to lead. The, the problem with yes, is it messes up the status quo. Now things mm-hmm. can happen that your ego interprets as, as well. I don't like unpredictability. You know, I like predictability. Yes can lead to unpredictability. Just understanding that yes can create some turmoil, that it's healthy, alone is enough. So my my mantra in my marriage is if my wife says, do you want to go do something? I'm going to say yes. You That's know, and awesome. that doesn't, of course, it's not 100% of the time, but it's more, uh, I'm more on top of it. When I can tell my knee-jerk reaction is no. So that, that works for me. And I would say for, for most people, yes opens up a different doorway in your heart and your mind than a no does. And so uh, it, it, just an overall of a yes attitude yeah.
1: yes and,
0: and i love thinking about that out in the workplace and with your extended family and like just all these i know people know this is gonna like jack people up as the final like thing because people i know are listening going but what about this but what about that but what about boundaries what you know all this stuff that i know pam Dunn, the owner of your infinite life give us a one-week assignment to say yes pick one person. It was like a random person that we had chosen and our assignment was to say yes to them like all week. And we all like started flipping out. We were like, No 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 you we cannot. Like da ba, ba, ba. and then we did the exercise and it was like phenomenal. Um so but I love the idea of just like yeah, like what what would that look like and just start to get curious around it. And it really does like when you are open to learning in one area, whether it be the positive parenting curriculum or the personal development or starting to look within or saying yes to a coaching call or a weekend course, like it starts to open up more doors where you you are able to say yes to more and you don't instantly do the knee jerk reaction of no. Um, and that can be really beautiful in all of our lives. But So awesome, Dan. Okay. So if, where can listeners find you if they want to learn more, if they want to get into a weekend course with you, if they want to, you know, maybe do some one-on-one coaching with you, tell us, tell them where they can find you, um, I'm
2: online at, uh, it's just my, my first initial last name, D Civils. It's S-I-V as in Victor I-L-S. Um, Dan Civils, you can search, uh, Your Infinite Life. You can find me through there as well. Um, and I gotta tell you, I agreed to do this because Stella's going to run the world one day. (laughs) Yeah, this is a good move. You guys are awesome, but you know, I just want to make sure she knows I'm, I'm on board. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> love was that. This is a power move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not dumb. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. You know what? I know one day she's going to grow up and I'm, I'm going to be like, you know what? Dan helped me really be a great mom to you because there have been things that you have said to me in the course room about Stella that just instantly like made me a waterfall of tears. And just like, I can think of like all these statements you've filled me up with over the years about me parenting Stella that... Just, I feel like have made me the mom that I am. So, I love you, Dan. Thank top. you.
1: Love you guys. Too. So you much love you. for you. Oh, all
0: right, guys. All right. Well, Thank thanks for yeah, thanks for being here, and um, we'll talk soon, Dan.
2: All right. Bye bye.
0: For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. volcano instead of respond like the firm